Welcome to the Simple Cocktails Podcast. I'm Greg Mays, Managing Editor of SimpleCocktails.net. And I'm Lisa Mays. Thanks for tuning in. So today we're bringing you the remainder of the interview that we did with Jeffrey Morgenthaler at Tales of the Cocktail. If you recall our small clip from earlier, we talked to him a little bit about what he liked to eat in New Orleans, how he started to get into craft cocktails, and so we'll hear kind of the rest of the story there and the impact it has on the rest of the world. You are really excited to get him on our podcast. Yeah, I there's a handful of people that are like, I would love to meet this person, but to interview them is even like kind of next level stuff. Right, he's, right. He's one of those handful. And he was one of our first interviewers. Yeah. I We'd only been like, in New Orleans like three or four hours. Yeah, and I feel like we screwed the pooch on that one because what? we didn't take a cue on the fact that he was uncomfortably sweating the whole time. It wasn't uncomfortable for us. We were fine. But he, was, he comments on that. You'll right, hear that in right. the interview. And I feel really bad. Like we should have, we should have noticed. We should have taken him in and given him a daiquiri punch bowl, you know, yes. and then just said, "Let me cool you off. Let's get you comfortable." And we didn't do that. We should have given him a peach colada. Is exactly. That what you're so I'm very sorry, Jeffrey. That's the most I've ever seen a grown man sweat in front of my face, <laughs> and I feel so bad he that cooled, we just kept him outside. He cooled off after a while. He did. That's if anything, true. though, we should have made him feel comfortable, and we did not. I know. <laughs> Bad interviewing etiquette. We'll learn our lesson, definitely. So, uh, like I said, he, he gets into a little bit about how he got into craft cocktails and talks about some influences he had. Uh, so we'll refresh your mind on that just a little bit, and then we'll jump into the full-length interview. So here's our interview with Jeffrey Morgenthaler, who's the owner of Clyde Common in Portland, Oregon. So how'd you get from dive bar to craft cocktails? Uh, well, I mean, it's a slow process, you know, I, 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 I got tired of having my life threatened. So I, I kind of moved up the ladder until I was in nicer, nicer bars, you know, um, dive bars can be a little scary. Yeah. I guess, I guess I'm curious how you kind of discovered craft as a thing. I don't know. I guess it was, a lot of it was, um, the, the kind of reinterest in cocktails in the nineties, um, you know, Paul Harrington's book was a big influence on me, and his website was a big influence. Things like Drink Boy, um, you know, there was a, a very small kind of uh, group of people that were um, pretty influential, you know, to me. As I was already a bartender, um, I was trying to learn as much as possible about my own job. Um, and so I discovered these folks, and um, I mean, that was that was pretty much it you know you know once i stumbled across that it worked really well with my already growing interest in cooking and food and you know wine and beer and things like that so it just dovetailed pretty nicely into things that i was already into mentioning robert hess you sort of reminded me it, it doesn't feel to me like i see a lot of the kind of northwesterners at tales of the cocktail is that because i'm in the wrong place or do they tend to only hang at Portland Cocktail Week? What's the story with that? Why don't you see so many Northwesterners here? Yeah. Um, two things. Okay. There aren't really that many of us. Okay. You know, we're a pretty small, you know, if you put Portland and Seattle together even, we're, we're a pretty small market these days, you know. I would argue that the Pacific Northwest has had a pretty big impact on the world of cocktails. You look at people like Robert Hess, Jamie Boudreau. Uh, Paul Clark, Imbibe Magazine, you know, have had a big impact there. There just aren't a ton of us. Also, the weather is so different. If you can't tell that I'm sweating, you're sitting there like so cool 
and I'm just like dying, (laughs) dying here. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, we're used to coastal Pacific Northwest, you know, cool breezes, no humidity, and certainly never over 90 degrees. Right. Yeah, okay. so that's why there's not a lot of us here. Okay. Yeah. Just curious. <laughs> Just curious. So you're very funny. So so you've got your spot videos. On. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, spot on. So, so you got your videos where you take, like, the bartender school guys or mm-hmm. guy often. The fisking, you know, yes. Yeah, yes. picking his nose. Yeah, yeah. You know, all that kind yeah. of stuff. So you have those videos um, where you sort of uh, correct some, <laughs> some incorrect yep. conventional wisdom. Sure. And then you've got um, – but then you have this this thing that I've really seen about you where uh, you've developed some kind of modern classics or improved versions. So Amaretto Sour is the first one that comes to my mind. Sure. So you've, you've developed these, and they've become, like, from what I've seen, kind of the standard. I know. It's crazy, like, huh? Yeah. Like, yeah. So mm-hmm. what, what do you feel like you're doing with this kind of stuff? With the humor, with the kind of correcting stuff, making a better cocktail? Yeah. I mean – Everything sort of revolves around the philosophy that if you're if you're gonna do drinks, you should do them well. It doesn't mean that um, I, I never try to impose my tastes on anyone. I just want to show people how to do whatever it is that they want to do very well. So. I mean, a lot of people, I think nobody really looked at the Amaretto Sour before because a lot of people sneered at the Amaretto Sour, right? My philosophy was, I don't I don't give a shit. This right. is a podcast, so we can swear, yeah, right? Yeah, I don't give a shit if you want to drink an Amaretto Sour. That's great by me. Right. Uh, you know, which which is the message that we're, we're doing with Stoli, you know, while I'm here is you should drink what you want. Right. And that's the thing about the Amaretto Sour. I, it doesn't matter to me if you like Amaretto Sours. I like Amaretto Sours, too. <laughs> but even if I didn't, it doesn't matter. I, I just want to show you how to make a great MRM sour. Or if you want to, um, you know, if, if you want to make, uh, if you want to drink a drink with grenadine, right, which was another ingredient that was shunned by a lot of people. It's a classic cocktail ingredient. Yeah. Um, in fact, one of the drinks that we're doing tonight has a house-made grenadine in it. Nice. You know, uh, we're doing a, a blueberry pomegranate grenadine. It's going to be amazing. I will show you how to make the best grenadine i won't judge you on the fact that you want to have grenadine but i'll judge you if if you're using shitty grenadine you know (laughs) makes sense because you should use good stuff yeah you should drink whatever you want but it should be good yeah all haunts like reddit or stuff like that and it always comes up when someone's like blah 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 amaretto sour it's always like oh you got to do morgenthaler's you know what i mean it's become the industry standard at this point yeah Yeah, it's funny it's really funny that's great yeah i mean that's I mean, that's not what I set out to do. I just wanted to share my recipe that was better than the other recipes. Right. Yeah. yeah. It just turned out, it, I guess it was that much better. That's great. <laughs> that's great. Do you have any others that have become like that outside of the Amaretto Sour? Yeah. I mean, God, the barrel-aged Negroni has been a huge thing, you know, all around the world. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've seen a lot of those. I mean, there have been a lot of things. You know, my, my ginger beer recipe has been very popular. Uh, a lot of my ingredient stuff from the past 10 years has been very popular. Um, you know, the, the grenadine, the tonic water, the ginger beer, uh, stuff like that. It's been, been pretty widely used. Nice. Yeah. So it's fun. So we write to and speak to home bartenders. Yeah. Uh, the big thing for us is that they overcome the kind of intimidation factor of like, Oh man, I gotta have 
500 bucks to start a home bar kind of a thing. And so I'm, I'm curious your take on the role that home bartenders play in the industry at large. Like, do they, do they have any impact? Does it, is it becoming more popular from your perspective? That sort of a thing. I'm kind of an insider, you know, yeah. I'm talking to the same people. So I don't, I don't know if there's ripples on that. Oh, of course. I mean, I think that Tales of the Cocktail is proof positive that the home bartender makes a difference because, you know, as much as we think of this as a, um, you know, professional trade focused event, it is open to the public and it is attended by many, many home enthusiasts. Um, so I think they have a huge impact on the biz. You know, as for your, your idea that, um, you know, a lot of people get stressed out about how much they should spend on their home bar. <laughs> you know, it's one question that I get a lot of, um, what should I get for my home bar? And I understand the, the stressfulness of that, you know, like I want to have a home bar. I want to have everything. Right. What do I, you know, but I can't spend $30,000, you know, what do I do? And, and I always, I, I always tell people that you should, you know, kind of get, you should buy whatever it is that you like to drink what, and whatever it is that you like to serve your friends. I mean, if I tell you that you absolutely have to have two mezcals, you know, uh, three tequilas in your home bar totaling $200, $300, right? But you don't like tequila or, or you don't like anything smoky, that's going to be some pretty terrible advice, right? Right. right. It's just going to sit there. You're going to give up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, because a lot of people will tell you, and I've seen p- other people's lists, a lot of other people will tell you, like, well, you have to have mezcal. Yeah. You have to have a, a scotch. But not everybody likes to drink that. So putting that in your home bar is dumb. And me telling you that you have to have it and that you have to drink this certain drink, you know, you have to drink this, uh, you have to drink a Rob Roy, otherwise you're doing it wrong, would be pretty stupid, you know. So again, like, if if your whole thing is like, you just really like gin and vodka, I would say get a bunch of gin and vodkas. And then some things that help make you drinks with gin and vodka, you know, some Cointreau maybe stuff like that yeah um but yeah this idea that because you're not it's not like you're having customers come in the door when you have a home bar right you know it's not like anybody's gonna get mad and leave when they see that you don't have like a 15 year old isla scotch (laughs) right you know (laughs) like and if they if they are pissed off and it's one of your friends they should have brought it right yeah because it's a bar it's your bar you know you're supposed to bring a bottle next time it'll be there waiting for exactly that's true from my perspective there's kind of the madman era let's call it that where it was expected. You went to somebody's house and they probably made you a drink or it was at least more common. And then that sort of faded away, you know, before or as you were starting to bartend in the nineties, do you see that coming back? And, and what impact does that have on you as a bartender, you as a bar owner, do you see people coming in more knowledgeable than they used to 20 years ago? Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's part of a much larger um, equation, which is that people are, entertaining at home more again because there's a there's a big interest in cooking there's a big interest in wine there's a big interest in cocktails and people are are um you know realizing and 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 picking up as a hobby you know home the home preparation of of you know food and drinks and that wasn't really so when i started bartending you know, that was just, you went to a restaurant every once in a while, you made some, you know, whatever stuff at home 
And then you went to a restaurant if you wanted something fancy because you can never do that. But then, but then you have celebrity chefs, you have uh, cooking channels, you know, you have uh, magazine, more magazines than ever. You have, you know, now you've got websites and stuff dedicated to cooking and food and home entertaining. So yeah, it's just I think it's part of that bigger enthusiasm. As for people being more educated when they come to the bar, um, yeah, I mean totally. You used to have people that were very focused on just like you know back in the '90s. People would just have their brand, and that's what they drank. You know, uh, Ed was a Chivas drinker, and that's all he drank. He came in and he had four Chivas, and then he went home. Now you've got people that are willing to like experiment. Okay, you know, I know this. I know, you know, a, a slightly dangerous amount about you know liquor. So, you know, let's let's explore some more of that. And that's the interview. Again, thanks to Jeffrey Morgenthaler for sitting down with us and enduring the sweltering heat of New Orleans. <laughs> And that's our show for this week. I'm Greg Mays, Managing Editor of SimpleCocktails.net. And I'm Lisa Mays. Remember to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Cheers. Cheers.